0: The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Great is thy faithfulness in my Jesus. I love thee To my very favorite hymns. I need to make a correction to my prayer request. Uh, I had been praying for Lucy Reed about something else. It was Sarah Reedy who lost her sister. So uh, you say, how in the world could you get those two mixed up? Well, when you get to be 65, if you don't get mixed up, you can come and chew me out, all right? Some of you say, well, I'm not 65, and I get mixed up, too. Well, God bless you. You understand how I feel, then. But uh, we do want to remember these ladies that have lost loved ones this week. Uh, Take your copy of God's Word, please, and turn over to the fifth book in the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. Turn to chapter 30, and while you're turning to chapter 30, I just want to... Uh, share with you today that I am not mad at anybody but the devil. I I want you to understand that. Sometimes when I I preach on this topic, I'm very passionate about it, and I don't want you to interpret my passion as anger. Uh, My passion is because I love children. Uh, I I love our children. I love my grandchildren. I I loved my children when they were little, still love them now that they're grown, Uh, but I love children, and uh, I do get passionate about this because it's happened on my watch. Because on January 22nd, 1973, when Roe versus Wade was handed down, I was a third year seminary student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And I was so busy getting ready to graduate that May and trying to focus on my last few months of school that I really did not notice when that ruling came down. And it was only after I had finished my seminary education and was a pastor that I realize how much that one ruling has impacted our nation. Uh, I believe that before January 22, 1973, America provided a culture of life. And I have grave feelings that since the Supreme Court, not the Congress, not the President, but the Supreme Court, ruled that abortion on demand was the law of the land. Instead of being a culture of life, we have become a culture of death. And God does not bless that. Because well, that's exactly what this passage says. Let's see what God's word says. Let's stand together as we show our respect for the reading of God's word. And this is the word of the living God from Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20. This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask Who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us, so that we may follow it? And it is not across the sea, so that you have to ask, Who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us, so that we may follow it? But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity death, and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not listen, and you are led astray to bow down to other gods and worship them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not live long in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, love the Lord your God, obey him and remain faithful to him for he is your life and he will prolong your life in the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, recently on our trip to Israel, we were not permitted because of the situation, political situation uh, it's not easy, once you get to Israel, to go across into Lebanon or to go across into Jordan, and uh, but we did, in the distance see where Moses probably uh, gave these words to the people of Israel. Moses had led God's children for 40 years. He had been faithful to God. Now, Moses was not a perfect man. Uh, he had made mistakes, uh, but he had also become a great intercessor for God's people. God, on several occasions, was going to destroy the people. And Moses interceded for them and begged God not to do it. And God, because of Moses' intercession, did not kill all the children of Israel. In fact, in one instance, God said, here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to kill all those ungrateful children that have followed you out of Egypt. And he said, I'm going to start again with just you and your family. Now, I want to tell you, if you had an ego, that'd be pretty exciting. Oh, wait a minute. You mean we can forget about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and just start with Moses? If Moses had been an egomaniac, we would never have known about the children of Israel. We've known about the children of Moses. But Moses loved his people. And Moses interceded. And God said, all right, I'll spare them. On several occasions, Moses interceded for his people. But now they had come after 40 years back to cross the River Jordan. And Moses was told by God, you cannot go across the land. Now we didn't get to go over in Jordan and stand on Mount Nebo where Moses died. But my mother-in-law did when she went to the Holy Land. She was able to go into Jordan and they went to see Petra, which is a a wondrous place, a rock red city that uh, the Jews, I believe, are going to flee to during the tribulation. I believe that's what prophecy says. and. Mount Nebo, they went to Mount Nebo. And we got to go to the top of Mount Carmel and remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal. But they got to go to the top of Mount Nebo, and there their guide told them it's here that Moses watched as Joshua led God's children into the promised land. Now, before Moses died, he gave these words. These are almost the last words of Moses. You know, last words are important last word to the Apostle Paul, to Timothy, or come before winter. These are some of the last words God spoke through Moses to the people of Israel. And I want you to see what he said. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Moses was talking to the children of Israel because he knew when they got into Canaan, they would be tempted. The people who lived in Canaan were pagans, and they served idols. And Moses knew he would not be there. But Moses is giving them a stern warning from God himself. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. And I want to remind us today that heaven and earth still witness for God. When the sun rises every morning, it's a witness from God. When that big, beautiful moon comes out at night, and it's been beautiful these last few days, that's a witness from God. When we see the wonder of new birth in the springtime, that's a witness of God. Even the winter snows remind us of the witness of God because God said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So we know God has given us nature as a witness. And he says, heaven and earth will witness for me today that I have set before you, life and death. Now, when God gave Moses these words, they were for the children of Israel, specifically in Moses' day. But they are for all of God's children in all ages, because what is true to God's children in Israel is true to God's children in the New Testament. We are now the spiritual Israel, and our country has become a country that has promoted death. Now, I rejoice. But I I want to tell you, my rejoicing is tempered with knowing there's going to be more things coming. Right now, there's only one abortion clinic in Birmingham still operating, and they're operating at a very reduced status because our legislature very wisely passed a bill that said, if you are going to do abortions, you also have to provide medical care, because some women went in to get an abortion and ended up dying from not having the right medical care. And you see, abortion is only supposed to take one life. It's only supposed to take the life of the baby, not the life of the mother. And so now, for abortion clinics to operate, they have to be evaluated, and they have to be able to do clinical procedures in case a mother's life gets in danger. I don't like to call them abortion clinics. They really ought to be called abortuaries. Because when a mother goes in who's pregnant, usually the mother comes out, but the baby is gone. Now, if you're here today and you've had an abortion, I'm not mad at you. I love you. And God is not mad at you. God loves you. And there's forgiveness and grace and restoration available. But Moses said to the people of Israel, choose life. Why did he say that? Well, first of all, because God created life. The Bible tells us very plainly, God created plant life in Genesis 1, 11 through 13. This is amazing. Those of you who uh, or farmers, or you raise a garden every year. Brother Bill used to raise tomatoes, and I, I, you know he's kind of gotten slack on that, Brother Bill. I'm going to have to give you a refresher course in getting the preacher tomatoes. You know, I always reminded Brother Bill, he'd say, I have tomatoes, Brother Mike, and I'd say, well, Brother Bill, you remember the first fruits offering. The first and the finest 10% go to the preacher. And he was faithful to do that, but then every now and then they'd run out. And I think sooner or later, I think his kin folks came and started robbing his plants. And I love tomatoes, and Brother Bill was good to bring me fresh tomatoes, and I appreciate that. But do you realize that God did not create the sun, moon, and the stars until the fourth day? Well, how did the plants survive on the third day? I'll tell you how they survived. The same way we're going to survive in heaven without sun, moon, or stars. God's light is going to be enough for us to survive there and thrive, and those plants survived and thrived until God made the sun, the moon, and the stars on the fourth day. So God created plant life, and then secondly, God created animal life. Uh, when I was a boy, people used to ask, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well if you believe the Bible, you know the answer to that. God created animals. He didn't create eggs, so the first thing that came was the chicken, and guess what? When you got the chicken and you got the rooster, then you get some eggs. So, Uh, The chicken came first. God created animal life. But then I want you to notice, lastly, God created man separately. He didn't create us with the plants. He didn't create us with the animals. He didn't create us with the birds and the fishes. He He created us specially. Why? Because he loves mankind with a special love. Now, he loves all his creation. Jesus said that not even a little sparrow falls from its nest, that God doesn't watch it. I told Pat the other day my friend had come back. For the last several years, I've had a mockingbird, and uh, I don't know where he goes, but uh, every year for a couple of months, he comes in a bush right outside my office window. Uh, He and his mockingbird mate have made a nest there, and they raise uh, baby mockingbirds every year. And he'll come, and he'll run along that ledge, and I'll talk to him. And uh, you say, why do you talk to birds? Well, somebody told me one time I had a bird brain, so I thought I ought to talk to them, see what they know. But I enjoy talking to, to my bird buddy every year, and he came back the other day. And I, and the bad thing is, if he comes back next year, I won't be in that office. I don't know who will be in there. Somebody else has to talk to him. Uh, but I don't know how long birds live, but uh, man, he comes back every year. I don't know where he goes. He, he's there for two or three months, and then he goes off, and I don't see him again. And then every year, about this time, he comes back to that nest. Uh, but God created animals, and he loves them. But God created us in a special way. God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And I wish today that we could stand up in America and say, this is how God wants it to be. God wants it to be male and female. I want to tell you, you say, Brother Mike, what if somebody comes and asks you to perform a same-sex marriage? What do you think I'm going to say? I'm going to say, absolutely not. You say, well, what if they come at you with a court order? I'm going to say, serve your court order, take me to jail. The apostle Paul is in jail, and he wrote a lot of books from jail. I'll go to jail, and I'll start preaching, and I'll start singing. We'll either have revival or ride in the jail. But I want to tell you, I'm going to stand for that. I would never marry a man to another man or a woman to another woman. It's not biblical. Jesus said in the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And folks, when the Bible says it, that settles it. It doesn't make any difference to me if the world believes it or if society believes it or if the courts believe it. I believe it and I'm going to stand on it. Life is a blessing. You know, this morning... There's a lady and a man back there in the back corner and he was in a wheelchair and he was all bundled up. I mean he was dressed up and he had an overcoat on and they had a blanket around him and I pointed them out to the folks at 8 o'clock. I said I don't want to embarrass you folks but I said I want you to see this couple back here. She got up this morning and helped him Thank you. I got one, Brother Bill. I appreciate it. I got one right here. I appreciate it. I about used up my Kleenex there. I appreciate you being kind to me, though. Man, give you tomatoes, give you his handkerchief. Isn't that good? Uh, but, you know, you know, when I got up this morning, I didn't have to have anybody help me get into the bathroom and get ready to come to church. He did. I didn't have to have somebody help me get to the car because I couldn't walk. He did. Uh, I didn't have to have somebody roll me into the church and put me back there. And you know what a blessing? I see one right over here in a wheelchair this morning. You know, these folks, you know why they come to church? They come to church because they know God loves them. And we need to love them too. We need to tell them thank you for getting out when it's not easy. You see people on walkers. You see people on canes or crutches in this church. You go by and say, what a blessing you are. You you know, it'd be easy. I mean, they could stay at home. And I will be honest, if they stayed home, they'd hear a lot better preaching they're going to hear here. You say, well, Mike, you don't think much of yourself as a preacher? No, I, th- I think I'm a pretty good preacher, but I want to- I'm no David Jeremiah, I'm no Adrian Rogers, I'm no Charles Stanley. But they could have gone to church on television. But you know, they want to come out and be with God's people. Mary's teaching the book of Hebrews. And we read through it last Sunday night. Precepts, that's what you do, you read through it. And one thing that amazed me in the study of Hebrews, and and I knew it was there, but the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake coming to the assembly as the manner of some already is. The book of Hebrews was written very early in the church, at least by the, uh, some people think it was written before 70 AD because it talks about the temple. And if the temple had been destroyed, I don't think the writer of Hebrews would have talked about the temple. And most Bible students believe that. But it's amazing to me that even in the early days of church, there were some people who didn't come to church. You think, well, Jesus had just been resurrected and ascended, and the message was new and fresh, and it was changing the world. Why would some people stay out of church? I still don't know the answer to that question. I know some people can't come. I know there are times when you don't need to be here. But I want to tell you, the Bible says if we love Jesus, we love the things Jesus loves and Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. God made us special so he could bestow his love upon us. Life is a blessing and God blessed Adam and Eve. So God created life and what about the first time we find life being concluded? The Bible says that while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now Mary likes to watch these programs that come on about mysteries. Somebody gets murdered and, uh, she doesn't watch the reenactments. Uh, she likes to watch the documentary kind of things where it shows all the police work that goes into it and, uh, she'll sit there and, and, uh, we both watch it we try to guess where it's going to go. And uh, a lot of times we know where it's going to go. And whenever there's a murder, whenever there's a murder, who's the first person they look at? The family. The family. If you're married, if if somebody murdered Mary, you know who they'd look at? They'd look at me. If somebody murdered me, they'd look at Mary. Now, some of you see this Band-Aid on my head, and you say, well, from the looks of you, Mary's already got you. (laughs) Well, I want to tell you that Mary didn't do that. I went to see my dermatologist the other day, and she came at me with a blowtorch in one hand and a knife in the other. You say, what does she look like after you run? Not out scratch on her? I stood there and took it. But she's doing that to help me. But you say, why in the world would they suspect a family member? Because the first man ever born killed the second man who was born in a fight really over worship. The Bible says that they had a child and they named that child Cain. And then they had a child and they named that child Abel. And Cain was a farmer. He raised crops and Abel was a herder. He had flocks and herds. And they knew that God deserved an offering. The only two times in the first part of the book of Genesis, You see, any kind of death of anything is that when Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves with fig leaves, which wasn't very appropriate. And so God, in his mercy, killed animals and gave them animal skin. How do you get an animal skin? You kill an animal, you take the skin off of it. God himself killed animals to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. Now, there's a spiritual thing there. God wants to cover us, and for him to cover us, something innocent had to die. Those animals weren't guilty of sin. Adam and Eve were guilty of sin. But those innocent animals had to die and their blood be shed so that Adam and Eve could be properly covered. And then when when, uh, Abel brought his offering, Abel had to kill animals. And Abel gave God the very best he had. Now, it wasn't because Cain brought vegetables and Abel brought meat. It was because Cain brought his in a haphazardly manner. And Abel presented his in a reverent manner. You see, when you give to God, God doesn't look at what the gift is as much as he looks at your heart and your attitude in bringing it. And he accepted Abel's offering, and he rejected Cain's. And Cain must have been a Baptist because he got mad. And he went out, and he asked his He he really must have been a Baptist because he got mad. Baptists do get mad, and I'm a Baptist, and I've been mad before. In fact, my wife and I had a conversation this week. Looking back on the 35 years I've had as your pastor, there have been two times when I lost my temper with church members. And of all the other things I've done, I have the most remorse. About losing my temper. because when I lose my temper, I'm not like Jesus. You say, "Did you curse him?" No, I didn't curse him. But I was angry, and I spoke in anger. And I have asked both of them, as soon as I did it, I asked them to forgive me. I knew I was wrong. And I told Mary, I said, "I don't believe I do that today. I believe I know now how much it grieves God when we lose our temper. Because God does not lose his temper. God is loving and long-suffering. And if I'd been more loving and long-suffering in those years ago, I wouldn't have to stand here today and admit to my congregation that after 35 years, I still remember two occasions when I did not act like Jesus. And my heart's broken because of it because I don't want to be a stumbling block. But Cain said, I'm not going to let you get by with this. And he killed his own brother. And in the first murder mystery ever written, God went to him and said, where is thy brother? And you know what he said? Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, the blood of your brother Cries from the ground. You see, it was not God who killed the first human being. It was the first man ever born who killed the second man ever born. Because man disrupts and ends life, which begins with God. When we take someone's life, we're doing what God never intended for us to do. Some of you were in, in the war as a soldier, and, and you may have killed somebody in battle. You say, well, am I guilty of that preacher? No. That, that is what we would call a, a just cause. In World War II, there were a lot of people killed. In fact, I really don't believe, after being to Israel two times, and, and, and Don and, and Diane and Wes and Linda might agree on this, While we were in Israel, we went to the Holocaust Museum, and I doubt seriously there would ever ever have been a state of Israel had there not been a Holocaust. Now, what does that mean? Does Does that mean that God wanted six million Jews killed and exterminated? No. But it means that God got the attention of the world when six million people perished, at the hands of a madman. But that is exactly what mankind does. God created life, and man concludes life, and the first murder happened when the first man ever born murdered his brother, the second man ever born. Now what's the third thing? The third thing is that God commanded his people to choose life. I really don't remember when I became aware of Roe versus Wade. I'm pretty sure That from January to May of 1973, I I don't think I read a lot of newspapers. I don't think I watched the news on television very much because I was in studying. I I was in school studying. Mary was a full-time student. I was a full-time pastor. She was a piano teacher when she wasn't in class. But I want you to know as soon as I got into the ministry full-time, I realized what had happened when the Supreme Court made abortion on demand the law of the land here are some statistics on abortion. The latest year we have full statistics are 2008. And so we know from 1973 through 2008, nearly 50 million legal abortions occurred. Now that means at least 50 million babies were killed. And some of those may have been twins and triplets. So only God knows the number of. Of babies that have been aborted since 1973. But here's some statistics that some of them were shocking to me. I always had in mind the average woman that gets an abortion is a teenaged, unwed mother. But 58% of women having an abortion are in their 20s, 61% of women having abortions have one or more children. of women having abortions have never married. Now, this doesn't surprise me. 69% are economically disadvantaged, but that means that more than a third of people who have abortions are not economically disadvantaged. It's strictly done for convenience. And then 73% of people who have abortion have some religious affiliation. But you see, a lot of people today have a religious affiliation, but they don't have a conviction about life. When you throw the Bible out, you might as well throw God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus out. Because that's where we learn about God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is from the Bible. I found out this week that abortions were considered criminal offenses since the Code of Rabbi in 1772 B.C. That was about the time the the pyramids were being built in Egypt. may have been about the time that the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. The United States went on record as the first civilized nation to allow abortion on demand as the law of the land. And let me tell you how it's been brought about. You see, we we let the other side, we let the abortion people give us the names they, they want to give us. You know what they call us? They call us anti-abortion. Well, I I don't shrink from that. If you say, Brother Mike, are you anti-abortion? I will say, yes, 100%, I'm anti-abortion. But you know, they don't want to be called pro-abortion. You know what they want to be called? Pro-choice. Why? That sounds more noble. You see, an abortion brings death. They don't want to be identified with abortion. They want to be identified with choice. Well, you have a choice. I know there's times when a woman is raped and things like that. But most of the women who have abortions, that's not part of the factor of the abortion. In the early years, only first or early second trimester abortions were approved. But after that, the abortion clinics began doing something called partial birth abortions. I've had people from pro-life organizations tell me, you need to show that video to your church. I cannot do it. I cannot. It's far too graphic and far too painful. You, you can go on websites and see it. Uh, I tried to watch it through one time, and I couldn't because it's the most painful thing ever designed. Now, we have outlawed partial birth abortions, but you know what some doctors are doing to get around that? They're taking an instrument And looking inside the womb and finding the baby's heart, and by using that instrument to guide them, they take a syringe filled with a solution that will stop the baby's heart, and they stick that syringe into that woman's womb, and they pierce that baby's heart with that poison, and in a few seconds the baby is dead in the mother's womb. And then it's not a partial birth abortion. It's removal of a dead baby. Now, folks, I want to tell you, there's something wrong about that. There's something wrong about that. There's something wrong with the culture. There's something wrong with a man who follows Jesus Christ and says, He's the Lord of life. But I want a woman to have a choice. We're given a choice. Choose life, God says. And now the new health care. And you notice I put health care in quotation marks. I'm not sure how much health care is there. And I'm going to be honest, part of this is selfish because I I filled out my application this week for Social Security. Some of y'all will be amazed to learn I did it on the Internet. You say, did it work? i got to check back tomorrow, okay? They said, give them five days. So tomorrow will be five days. I'm going to check back tomorrow. You say, well, why are you mentioning that? Well, you see, now... For all these years, I've been paying the government. And I mean, I've been paying them big bucks for years. And now they're going to start paying me. And I want to be honest with you, they're not going to pay me nearly what I paid them. But they are going to start paying me. And one day they may look and say, look at old brother Mike. You know, he's not pastoring anymore. He's just preaching now and then. And about half the time he doesn't know where he is. And he's always eating things he shouldn't eat, like Snickers. So we're going to send him to the terminal clinic. You say, do you think that will happen? Listen, if you will take a baby in its mother's womb and not protect it, what will you do to old folks? Some of you old folks better listen to me. You say, what do you mean, you old folks? I'm one of you. You know, what little hair I have left is gray. Most of it's departed. We need to be on our toes about this. It's unconscionable for me, for our church, knowing what the Bible says about abortion, to provide abortion services to our employees, and yet that's what the Health Care Act says we have to do. A number of Christian organizations, especially colleges, are filing suit against it because of that. I hope we win that suit. Well, now let me hasten on to what do we do. Well, first of all, There's probably someone here, maybe two or three, that's had an abortion. Now, please understand my passion. I am not mad at you. I am not mad at you. I love you, and I know you're hurting, and there's help for your hurting. Turn to God in repentance and contrition. He will forgive, cleanse, restore, and heal you. He loves you. Several years ago, Save a Life asked me to do a service, and uh, I did it down in the children's wing, and we had about 14 couples. And the thing those couples had in common is they'd all had an abortion. And we had a service, a memorial service in one of our rooms in the children's wing for those 14 babies. And they got up and named the babies and told what, what year they had the abortion. You say, what happened? It was a catharsis. I preached. And I preached a message of love and forgiveness because that's what God said. He, says, he said, I'll forgive you. I'll restore you. And out of that service that night a young couple came and they said brother Mike we'd like to come part of your church I said wonderful and they said but you know all about us I said that's right and they said you still want us to be members of your church I said absolutely I said I can assure you this the members of our church don't have to be perfect because the pastor's not perfect but they have to be forgiven and they said that's happened if I name their names, some of you'd be surprised Some of you would be surprised. You never knew that because I never told their name. I will never tell their name. They're not here anymore. They they, they, they moved to another community. But What wonderful members they were, very dedicated, worked with children. They got on with their life and got over that. Stand up for the unborn. Help save a life. There's a little brochure in in your uh, bulletin this morning about save a life. Uh, Help the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. Uh, Mary Minor works for the Alabama Baptist Children's Home Family Ministries, and they do a wonderful job of working with children. Uh, Also help other pro-life organizations. If people are pro-life, we need to work with them. Uh, One of the funny things is when you get pro-life organizations together, uh, the Catholic Church is staunchly pro-life, and when the Catholic Church gets involved, the Knights of Columbus get involved, and you've never seen anything until you've marched with the Knights of Columbus. Uh, They wear hats like Christopher Columbus and swords and uniforms. And uh, I remember one time uh, we marched with them on the Saturday before Sanctity of Life Sunday. And and, and you say, Preacher, why would you march with a bunch of Roman Catholics? Because we believe in life, we need to stand together. And then this one's special. Be a foster parent or adoptive parent and love children who don't have anybody else. In the last year, we've had at least two families, maybe more, uh, adopt your, maybe three families come to think of it that I know of. Uh, and that's just the ones I know of. Uh, last year we had a couple that adopted two boys they'd been doing foster care for. And, and they've since had a baby of their own. And, and one of my f- favorite memories of this past year, and it always will be, was on Come Before Winter Sunday. We had a single mom who came up here with a, a little child she had adopted. It wasn't a baby, it was a little child. But she'd adopted that little child, and the adoption came through on Friday, and we had the baby dedication on Sunday. And when she planned to dedicate that child, she didn't have any idea that they'd be able to complete the adoption on Friday. What a mighty God we serve. He arranged that, and he is still in charge. I salute the people in our church who work with foster children or adopt children. And then lastly, or no, Stand up, speak up, and show up whenever we can take a stand against abortion. And then lastly, pray for God to hear our cries and bring revival and restoration to our country. My prayer is no longer God bless America, but is now God save America. He is our only hope for return to the values that help make us a blessed nation. If you read my article, you'll notice that in the newsletter since, I think, December, I usually close, I love you, I love you, I love you, God bless you, and God bless America. But for the last several times I've written my article, I concluded, I love you, I love you, I love you. God bless you, and God save America. We're going down the wrong road. We're going down the wrong road morally. We're going down the wrong road spiritually. And only God can save us. And I'm going to remind you what Adrian Rogers, my hero, said, and then I'm done. Adrian Rogers, who died in 2005, said this before he died. God is America's only hope. But God is also America's worst enemy if we don't repent. And I think he was right. Choose life. And blessing today. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts right now. Lord, I pray that you would turn the hearts of this nation back to you. Father, I pray that those of us who know the truth would stand up and speak up for the truth. And Father, you know my heart. You know I am not mad at anybody today. You know my heart is broken over all those babies that have been aborted, all those lives Lord, maybe the one who would have cured cancer. Maybe the next Billy Graham. Maybe the next Mother Teresa have been aborted. Only you know. Father, I pray that you would speak through us today. Lord, may we become salt and light in this generation. And may we take a stand on your word. When you say choose life, may we make that choice. Make it personal. And make it a priority. And then not be ashamed to speak it publicly. Now, Father, speak to our hearts today. Lord, there may be people here today who are burdened or lost loved ones. There may be people here today who are concerned about themselves. There may be people here today who need a church home. We need to be saved. We need to be baptized. Who need to come in recommitment of their life. Father, as we give this invitation, may they come in answer to your call on their lives. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.